and welcome to another episode of Ringing Steel Podcast. I am your host, Patrick, with my other host, co-host, Mike. We are here to get you some information about hunting and the outdoors in general on a semi-regular basis. Uh, we took a week off. It's been a mess. We're on uh, Labor Day weekend here, and... Uh, just trying to get some episodes pushed out to y'all, so I hope you all can stick around and enjoy some. Um, this week, uh, we're, we're gonna go through, uh, some hunting stuff, moreover. Um, just what do you need? What, you know, first time you're in, what are you gonna do? Um, Mike, what have you been up to this last week? Holy cow, I've been busy. Uh, progress on the shop continues. Uh, we're putting the roof on and should have the roof finished this weekend. Um, when people say they build their business, I don't know if they meant they physically go out and build the facility. The ground building. up? Yeah, ground up. <laughs> Obviously, you were there. Yes. Uh, helped us fly the trusses up. Um, I've got the building full sheeted. I've got the walls weather in with uh, some Tyvek-style wrap. Uh, I've got just about every sheet of 5.8 OSB on the trusses. Um, that's been a boatload of fun. Um, my body has muscles that it didn't know it had, and they hurt. That'll happen. There was only one major injury. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, when you shoot yourself with a nail gun. Stick a nail through your finger, break the uh, first bone up from your palm. That's a heck of a thing. The x-rays were pretty cool on that. Did I send you those? You did. You sent me those. That, that, that was a wicked one. Yeah, he's still on the mend from that. What, what killed me is he's just like, yeah, it hurts. He wrapped it up. And just, yeah, I might go to the doctor, I might not. And you talked him into it. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't think it was broken. Uh, he's got family members that are doctors. And they're like, oh, no, you're probably good. Well, next morning, he did go in, get an x-ray, and split that thing lengthwise. Yeah, that was, that was a wicked one. Um, other than that, my kids, as, you, as listeners know, I've talked about it a couple times. We were in that fishing club. Uh, that wrapped up. Uh, we kind of went out on a dud. Uh, the last two events, we didn't. Uh, we didn't place on the second to last. We did pull in a couple sunfish. They were pretty small. Uh, the very last event, nobody caught anything. None of the boats. Uh, we were largemouth fishing. It's been a hard year. Yeah. Um, I pulled in a couple after hours myself, but cause we st ended up staying out on the water a little bit longer. Um, we, uh, yeah, it was, it was a hard, interesting year for fishing. Uh, the last couple weekends, I've been dedicating a morning to each kid. So okay. I took Xander out, uh, my son Xander. He is here in studio listening today. He's not on a mic. I uh, wanted him to experience what we do with the podcast. Um, but I took him out, and we got skunked. We got skunked hard. Uh, we did fight out through a rainstorm on the boat, which was interesting. Um, and then last weekend, I took my oldest daughter out, uh, we got skunked again, and then tomorrow morning I'm taking out my youngest daughter, see if we can do three for three. Uh, no fish in the boat, we'll see how it goes. Just drive around so she does get skunked, you know. Just right. Got to make it even. Well, and it's what I, f I felt bad because <laughs> last Saturday, um, fishing Eagle Lake, I fished a spot where my son and I, we mapped it now that I've got the Garmin figured right. out. Um, You're I, welcome, by the way. Thanks, yeah, that's very helpful. Um so in this lake, I found a couple, I'm going to call them mounds in the middle of the lake where it comes up pretty shallow and you just circle those things and, you know, I can find the schools on there pretty good. Um, I was dragging about a three and a half inch shad with a diver on it. Okay. I was catching crappie, you know, the, those, their eyes are bigger than their stomachs. They, I was, the fish I was catching shouldn't have been biting what I was using. Set my daughter up with the exact same thing I was doing. Nothing. I'd catch one, she wouldn't. I'd catch one, she right. wouldn't. She, you know, kids get frustrated. They, they they don't get the same enjoyment out of just being out as we do as adults. You know, I just it's a day for me to relax and not do something, or it's a morning to completely take a break from the daily grind. Um, but yeah, fishing fishing sucks this year. Um, well, this year July, even you know Fourth of July weekend usually is a pretty good weekend. And I'm up northern Minnesota by uh, Grand Rapids doing Deer Lake. We have a event up there every year. Yeah. And it was so hot. I mean, the water was like a bathtub. Oh, yeah. And I saw my the only muskie I've ever seen in my life in person, like a you know 
in the wild kind of thing. Just cruising along the top of the water. He was probably a 50-inch muskie just cruising along. I threw everything <laughs> I had at him, and he just did the, mm, no, no, warm. Just, no. It, and it drove me nuts. But it was, and it wasn't just me. It was everyone we were up there. There was probably 40 people up there at that for that event, and no one caught a muskie. No one caught a walleye. No one caught a northern pike. Nothing. Hmm. I mean, it was just, there was some bass, some smallmouth. I caught some smallmouth, caught a ton of rock bass. But... That was it. I mean, yeah. there was just nothing else biting. It just was too warm. I was going to say, you know, if, if I was vegetarian, we'd have done good the amount of weeds we pulled in the boat this year. But I need to help you with your trolling, I think. <laughs> well, it wasn't even trolling. And I'm fishing a lot of areas where it's inevitable. Uh, no, I understand. I'm but... throwing... I'm throwing non-weedless bait into heavy weeded. weeds area. Uh, <clears throat> it's a risk I'm willing to take because I've... I personally have pulled out a couple nice bass and a couple decent, uh, yeah. Oh, my brain just stopped. Northerns, Northerns this year, um, doing that. But I pull in as much weed as I do. I, there's times I was surprised to find a fish in the weeds right. on my line. But. I do laugh when we went fishing your, your aversion to Northerns that you don't like touching them and dealing with them. I, I, I just don't care for the sliminess and the mess they bring in the boat. Oh. I've actually had a really good time fishing them. This oh, they're year. they're probably one of the most fun fish to catch because they hit they, like a they freight hit train hard. And one, so one of the fishing trips we were on this year, it was really cool. I was fishing some really clear water. You you could about three four foot down, you could see, and you could watch them strike. And they, I've never seen this before. When they strike hard. They come around, they come past, and they turn, so they're going the opposite way you're running right. in, and they hammer that thing so hard. Yeah. I mean, it. it's awesome. It's a good fight. You know, but I've also, this year, gotten really good at the feel. I can tell when one's nibbling at it and not taking it yet, so mm-hmm. I can, you know, I get the action going, but I don't try and set the hook. And I've actually hammered a couple, you know, nothing big, maybe 18 to 20 inch at the most, but okay. I did catch a really big one, uh, kicked it off on the edge of the boat, didn't pull it in. So I don't know the exact measurements. The thing had to have been close to 30 inches plus. Okay. Um, it, I was worried about breaking my brand new rod. That was my, when I got my you, first You mean the one you replaced with the rod that you broke? Yeah. That one? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but yeah, I've got, I love my, I got a St. Croix Bass X now and. Gosh, the thing's sweet. I, it's got feel. I can cast the thing. It's a good rod. Okay. Um, so you're working the, on some builds, it looks like? Yeah, black market coatings. Um, little surprised. With everything going on, with all the civil unrest, you know, gun buying has gone crazy. I, I'm seeing reports of upwards of, what, I think the last one was just over a million background checks a month through the NICS system for purchases. Something like that. It's ridiculous. Um for all the listeners out there that know, or those that don't know, I do build and provide stuff now. I, I'm a retailer. I'm licensed Athlon Optics dealer. I'm Rise Armament dealer. Alex Pro, Luth AR. I can't get anything. Um, I'm on, you know, one build I'm doing that's extremely awesome. We're building a 18-inch barreled AR with a JP barrel matched bolt. Um, that gun... We don't know when the parts are coming in. I've got the upper lower handguard sitting there. I've got the stock for it, but the barrel, they said two to four months. Um, wow. I've got orders out for rifle kits from Luth AR. We'll see when those come in. Do you want me to talk to some of the guys I know that work there? At Luth? Yeah. Oh, they're... I know. But I have someone who assembles those kits now. Uh, Little Mrs. Uh, uh-huh. Why Kim. Her, Kim. Oh, I couldn't imagine why her name was escaping me. Sorry, Kim. I know you know me. Um, <laughs> get my stuff for me out the door quick, please. I'll drop the money off Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I've got a 6.5 Creedmoor that I'm building. It looks like I actually have that sold. Um, I've got a Alex Pro 223 varmint that we're, I've actually had on the bench since October. Complete rifle. It's one of those personal builds for the business. I wanted to do something really wild with the paint job for advertising and kind of whatever, but that kind of stuff keeps getting pushed on the back burner because I've been buried in paint work. I was really surprised, impressed, happy about it. You know, I, I can't be more grateful than the workload I've got in, but the amount of people that are just painting guns right now, maybe it's because they can't go out and buy anything, so they're just going to put some money into freshen up their guns. Uh, appreciate the work for sure. Uh, 
we're trying to turn it out as quick as we can. We are on about a three to four week uh, waiting list right now. Unless um, I come over and do it myself. Right. Yeah. You want to come in and uh, we'll get you going. Um, the uh, But yeah, parts have been scarce. Uh, Athlon's been taking care of me. I'm getting stuff weekly from them. Good. They're, they're only running about a week behind on optic orders. I know. I, I'm a big fan of Swamp Fox. Yeah. And... Uh, the next optic I want now, they had one release and the next release is in like six weeks before yeah. they can get that site in again. Uh, right now I am looking at buying a different carry gun. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm looking for a SIG P365 XL. Good luck. I, I found a couple. Have you? And, and, and I, I have no problems waiting. I still have my shield. So I, right. I, I'm not in lack of carry, but I want something optics ready. Uh, I'm actually not a fan of the Hellcat. The more Have you I've, shot one yet, or I haven't shot one, but just the feel of it. Yeah. And Springfield being Springfield, I can't stand Springfield Armory. I'm sorry. Well, when you when you <laughs> bow down to the gun control people, I'm not going to uh, remember, play your game. I'm also the day not going to. Smith gonna, and Wesson pulled that crap. Too. I know they got a black eye from that. Yeah, they did. Um, and I'm also not going to buy a Croatian built gun. I didn't think the Hellcat was it Croatian is. built. It is. Hmm. Does is, Kevin know? Yeah. Is he satisfied with it still? He still likes it. Yeah. I, I, I haven't shot one. I've had a couple in the shop in and out now. I've not taken the opportunity to shoot them. Um, they, I, I think the Hellcat, when I've held it, it reminds me, it, it I immediately had that feel that this is a, a Glock argument gun. Yes. You either like them or you don't. You don't. They yep. fit you or they don't. Um, <coughs> reviews online, people, I mean, the love them. The yes, love them. but it, um, that's that's any of any of these new carry pistols. Any of new them. compact, high cap. Right. It, you, you go know. to I can't remember what Glock model it is, but the new Glock one they came out with was the forty three or forty three forty three X. The forty three X. You have those people that oh my god, there's not a better gun on the planet. There's guys oh my Smith and Wesson, you know yeah. M and P Shield two with the port. It doesn't matter. Get what fits you. The reason I like the Sig. And it's just a personal, I like the feel of it. 365 like is an awesome gun. Right. It, I haven't found anybody that doesn't like it for feel and performance. The gun shoots. I've shot a couple. Right. Um, I do like those. Uh, I, I like that, that that it is optics ready. Yeah. That, that one makes a big difference. I can go get my Swamp Fox optic on top right. of it. You know, shake to wake, pull up, and, you know, I'm on target. That That's what matters. Right now. A lot of guys like the shake to wake. Yes. <laughs> Wake and shake. <laughs> Wake and shake. There you go. Um, um, yeah, but you actually, know. if you notice today, I'm not carrying my uh, Gen Four MOS Glock. I've got my Gen Five, which isn't optics ready. My, it does, my, doesn't. I don't know Glocks. My, I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I like I like guns one. with a good rip grip angle on them. Oh, that's got a great one for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, you know, yeah, life goes on. Um, Listeners know or may have figured out by now we don't get too heavy into the politics of things. Uh, we want to keep. I want to avoid it. Honestly, I don't want to get into the politics of this stuff. You know, and it is because all we hear all week long: who did what, who's bad, who's good, this side, that side. Well, and I want to get away from opinions. Right. Perfect, perfect. I'll give you crap about your, you know, Glock. Glocks. Right. But that's my opinion. That that's just me. There's a ton of Glocks. I'm not saying Glock's not a great gun. I'm it's not. a great gun. You just got to be able to handle them. But for me, because I was trained M9 and revolver yeah. growing up, my draw to fire that grip angle messes yeah. with me. I always hit high. Well, and that's that's where I come in. That was my first gun, so that's what I'm used to. Right, that grip angle works. Um, so if I, I hand you something else and try to get you to go fast, you're going to be hitting low because you're going to roll your wrists. No, I've actually been working with enough variety the last two years. I'm just saying, but in yes, in the beginning. Um, well, I was low left in the beginning on the Glock because of trigger pull. Okay. Um, I corrected that when I started shooting a couple other handguns. Uh, my car, K40. Uh, I can't hit the broadside of a barn with that gun. But I won't get rid of it because it's an older car model. It's one of their better built full steel frame. Um, if I'm in a close range situation, it's an amazing gun. Okay. Uh, but at 30 feet plus, no. Um, I've actually been working with my Glocks. A couple guys I've been out shooting with, 
I had one guy, he was shooting six inch steel at a hundred yards with his Glock 19. Wow. I'm like, all right, I got to play this game. Well, he obviously had the, uh, the red dot on it and everything. Um, I've gone out to 70 yards on eight inch steel so far with mine, which is awesome. I mean, my, my longest pistol shot, and it is a cheating pistol shot because it's my AR pistol. Well, seven and a half inch barrel, so it's not super long even for a pistol. That's a hard shot, though, because the amount of power that's burning as the bullet leaves. Well, mine's a 300 blackout. It was yeah. 75 yards. That's a good shot. But drop the deer. There you go. Which, that's what I've been doing lately. I've been prepping for deer hunting. We got deer hunting coming up here in yep. Minnesota the 19th. Archery um, so opener. two weeks, yep. So I've been prepping. I've got new broadheads that I've got out. I went out and shot the dummies to make sure I'm hitting with, I, mm-hmm. I'm a crossbow shooter. I've, when I was in the military, they messed up my wrist, so I got a crossbow license, yeah. which I, a lot of people, oh, that's cheating. Well, yes, I would use a regular bow if I could. Right. I can't. I, I physically can't. And I enjoy the hunt. Um, had my cameras out. I've been seeing deer everywhere. Our area, I've been saying up until, um, they released it. I'm like, if this is not a management area where you take two deer, I'm going to be amazed. There was one night we saw 14 deer on our property. We nice. have we have 22 acres, and we saw 14 deer standing out there. Yeah. We took a drive and saw 80 in about a three-mile drive. What's the uh, buck versus doe ratios estimated um, at right now? Right here? now on our 22 acres, and I granted they're not all there all the time. Right. Um, I've got one picture. I've got five bucks on camera. Okay. And then I've got four other bucks I can identify by rack. So you mentioned the management area and such. I know when I first moved up here six years ago, I used to I was archery hunting down in Afton. Um, okay, you could just keep buying doe tags. Yep. Uh, this year, I was actually looking in the regs and looking at some stuff. It looks like you can't anymore. It looks like there's it depends limits. on the area. There is different areas when you get into the CWD management yeah. areas. Um, it's unlimited tags because they're trying to get as many of the CWD deer gone as they possibly can. Um, But it really depends on your area. Some areas like where... Well, specifically like the Afton area where I was, you're limited now. You're not unlimited deer tags. Um, I'm looking... Obviously, I live up in Zimmerman area, uh, and there's always been limits on that. Uh, And it's so different here to like Arizona, Arizona, you could buy an archery deer tag. You can hunt archery deer. If you get one, you're done. Or you put in, if you get drawn for rifle, you get one, you're done. You're only allowed one buck a year and it's buck only. Um, here it, you know, trying to get through the regulations and stuff. No, it's it's daunting. I mean, it's a, you know, you almost need a lawyer to help interpret what you're allowed to well, do. Well, the, the biggest thing is get that booklet. When you're buying your license, you grab... You this little orange one? Yes. It, it's online as well. I do yep. a lot of online um, reference to it. Um, but at the same time, get the booklet. Highlight what affects you. Go in and yeah. find your zone. I mean, you, you've got some really good stuff. They've got the CWD stuff in here. Some places in Minnesota, they have mandatory testing. Other places, they have um, voluntary testing where you bring it in. They're going to crack your deer's skull open and check it for right. chronic wasting disease. Sorry, I should have said that instead of say CWD for the whole time. Well, too, and this year it's different because of the COVID thing, the way the testing's working it uh, is. It's very, very different. It is, it is discussed on the website. I'm not going to quote anything. I read a brief description on how they're going to test that. Uh, it's not super clear in some areas, but definitely read that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I got that page. Okay, you got that page. I do. So 604, which is up towards Mille Lacs Lake, is yep. another CWD area. And then you have the 300 range in the south. Yeah. East so, of the state. Now talking about, you know, deer hunting in Minnesota, that you've mm-hmm. got shotgun slug, muzzle loader, handgun, south half, I believe it's highway basically highway 95 and south. Okay, and you're then, you're mixing things here. I'm mixing things. You are. All right. Okay. So, statewide from September through and I'll I'll pull up the actual dates, but you can look it up. Um bow hunting is statewide. Right. Now, that being said, my area, my zone that I'm in, I'm in zone 218, so we have a management area, which means I can take two deer. Yeah. One buck, one doe, or two does. Yeah. You only can get one buck. With that, in order to do that, you have to buy 
the bonus tag right. at least 24 hours prior. Yep. So it's kind of one of those things of when I bought my licenses, I got the Super Sports license, so I got a free deer tag. So when I went and picked that up, I purchased a bonus tag. So I have both tags already. Yeah. Now there's areas where it's an intensive harvest where you can take three deer. So it's two does and a buck or three does. I could buy another doe tag or another bonus tag and go somewhere else in the state after I harvest two deer and 218, yeah. go to one of the other zones and harvest a third deer with my bow. Now, this is where Minnesota gets really weird. So you've got the shotgun zone slash rifle zone. And that's that line of 95. Yeah. So north of that, you can use rifles. Yep. South of that, you have to use shotgun or pistol. I thought it was muzzleloader, too. Hold on. Muzzleloader has its own season. You right. can use a muzzleloader in any of those. Okay. But muzzleloader also has its own season. Okay. Because rifle season or firearm season A, A and B, um, that's November. Yeah. Muzzleloader season is the whole month of December. Okay. So you get a longer season, but it's after. Now, that being said, let's say I don't get a deer with my bow by November. And I want to take my pistol out. I've got that new 44. I can take that out where I hunt and use that pistol. Um, or I want to go up north and use a rifle. I have to buy a rifle tag. Yeah. And the bonus tags to match the rifle tag. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so even though I already have a bonus tag, right. I can't use that bonus tag because that's an archery right. bonus tag. I, let's say even more messed up. Let's say I shoot a buck. Yeah. Opening weekend with my bow. Okay. I've got my buck tag done. Yep. I want to go hunting up north and I want to use my 300 wind mag or whatever that is. I have to go buy a rifle tag, then go buy a bonus tag for the rifle. Then I can shoot a doe only. Right. Because it's only one buck. Only one buck. Statewide. Correct. So you have to follow whatever zone and that's why i say grab that book and you know do some big research into that of what you're actually getting into and know the rules of your zone how helpful is it if you have questions to call the dnr on getting through any of this i i will say from talking they get really busy um the guy that's in our area i know him i know our conference conservation officer really nice guy and when the whole pistol thing came out and they were they used to have cartridge length requirement And they took that away because the state did some really dumb things, in my opinion. I mean, I agree, but I disagree. And I called them up just to make sure my AR, my 300 blackout, was going to be legal. I didn't want to be out there with a you know firearm right. that's going to get me in trouble. And I, I was you know being up front with them. And I called him, and he goes, "Yeah, you you can hunt with that. It's it's legal." I'm like, "Yes, but I got a couple questions." And he's, "All right, what's up?" I'm like, "So by the regs, it has to be over 20 caliber." Yep. Or over 22 caliber. It has to be a center fire cartridge and it has to be a hollow point, a hunting rod. Right. I said, so by that definition, a 25 auto is legal for deer hunting. And he go, you could hear a big sigh and goes, yeah. <laughs> right. 25 auto legal for deer hunting. And I'm just looking at that going, okay, my nine is technically legal. 380s yeah. are legal. My 40s legal. Would, would you? Given a situation, would you shoot a deer with your nine? No. 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 Nope. No. Two. I, I don't think it dumps enough energy. Yeah. Comparatively. I, I just, I don't trust it. Deer hide is a, a, it's tough. Yeah. It's a lot tougher. You hit a bone with that nine. Let's say you hit a shoulder or something like right. that or catch a rib. You can miss vitals and you just now have a wounded deer that you're going to be tracking for days. Yeah. And, and granted, I get it with, you know, the critical duty, critical defense, those type of rounds, they're, they're going to do some major damage, but deer bones are tough. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't do it, especially with some of the defense rounds I carry. Right. Because of bullet fragment. I don't want to, years ago, I was eating some elk meat uh, in Arizona from an elk we harvested. And I was pulling the lead out of it. Yeah. And that's happens. annoying. It is but, annoying. But my thing with the nines and stuff like that is my friend Dan hunts north of Cold Spring. Mm-hmm. Was it last year? I think it was last year. Last year or the year before. I can't remember. Everything kind of blends together. Um, he shot a doe with his 20-gauge slug. Hit her in the shoulder blade. It ricocheted out. Holy cow. 
I'm sorry if a 20 gauge at 20 to 30 yards, yeah. and it could have been a bad round. It could have been, you know, something moisture or something like that where it didn't have all the power behind it, but there was literally a hole. And then about four inches away, a different hole where it had went in, hit the shoulder blade, went down the shoulder blade and ricocheted out. That's interesting. And I'm like, my God. So he ended up going with Accutips. I shoot Hornady's yeah. for my slugs and my 20 gauge or 12 gauge, um, which my son will be using this year. But, you know, I've, I've been working a lot on our stands are clear, our shooting lanes are clear. I've got the cameras up. I've been checking cameras on a pretty regular basis, see what's going on, what's moving, when they're moving. I've got more raccoons than I've ever seen in my life out there that I'm going to take care of after deer season. Yep. Um, I've got coyotes out there that I'm going to take care of at any time I possibly can because I've taken a shot at a coyote two years ago. I was sitting in my ground blind and had one come in. And I took a shot with my crossbow, and I went underneath her. Yeah. Um, to the point, did you know a coyote can jump about six feet straight up in the air from a dead stand? <laughs> I could believe it. They just vault yeah. and then disappear. Yeah. But, yeah, I missed her, went right underneath her. I got hair. That was about it. Yeah. Um, but getting the shotgun sighted in, I bought a bunch of ammo for that, which that's always fun to do with a 12-gauge slug is, oh, here's 250, here's 250, here's 250 every time you're pulling the trigger. Right. Granted, I do have a, a laser bore sight or one of the slug or the shells that goes in that's yeah. a laser. That's going to at least get me on paper. Yeah. And if I can get him at 50 yards, I'll be happy. In the woods, we, we're heavily wooded with a lot of buckthorn. 50 to 75 yards is about all he's going to be shooting. Yeah. I've got a vortex scope on there. He'll be fine. I just got to get it lined up. Um, beyond that, getting my camo. And that's going to be a lot of what we're talking about today for the topic is the camo stuff. I've got a f- full set of scent lock. Yep. That I'll be using. I'm actually looking at getting new boots, which is another thing I really want to talk about today. Yeah. Because having good boots, especially in places like Minnesota where it gets extremely cold, as yeah. soon as your feet are cold, you're miserable. Yeah. If you're sitting in a deer stand and you've got cold feet, you're not sitting still. Yeah. You're just going to be miserable. And you don't sound like a squirrel in a tree when you're no. rustling around. No, not at all. So I guess we can get into that. I mean, with camo, you know, clothing, head to toe, pants, jacket, jeans, and a flannel, you know, what do people want? What do people think of? I've always been the thing of, I try to use some camo, and we're going to talk camo more than the blaze orange. The blaze orange requirements, I'm just going to go over that real quick here, just to get that out of the way. And this is for state of Minnesota, of what our blaze orange requirements are. And this is straight out of the book for 2020 Minnesota hunting regulations. Uh, hunter safety is a top priority. Blaze clothing has been found to be one factor that has helped make hunting safe and one of the safest sports activities. Hunters and trappers in the field during the open firearms muzzleloader deer seasons must display blaze orange or pink on visible portion of the person's cap and other clothing above the waist, including sleeves and gloves. When no firearms muzzleloader deer season is open, a person may not take small game unless the visible portion of at least one article of the above clo- clothing above the waist is blaze orange and pink. There's some exceptions. I'm not going to get into those. Um, blaze orange or pink camouflage are allowed and must be at least 50% blaze orange or pink within each square foot. So blaze orange is not required during the muzzleloader deer season when hunting an area open to archery only no firearms hunting allowed hunting migratory waterfowl while on the water or in a stationary location or trapping while on the water um so there there's just some like turkey hunting you don't wear blaze turkeys yeah. have a, a visual acuity that is just unbelievable yeah um so there, there's some stuff that you don't get into the book, um, and you know, That's make page sure. Thirty three. Yes, page thirty three. But that that'll help you out and at least get you going. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up real quick is the youth hunt, yeah. Because this does change that a little bit, because the youth hunt is uh, coming up here, and the youth for firearms is where is the actual dates? It doesn't have them right here. Um, youth hunt is in October. Okay. During youth hunt, me even as a bow hunter, I have to wear blaze because of the youth hunt going on. Even if my son doesn't go, yeah. During those dates, I have to wear blaze orange because I'm a hunter. Right. During those dates, and a lot of guys don't know that, and that's something to be aware of. The last thing you need is a DNR guy to go, "Hey, oh crap." Yeah. How you doing today? Oh. Well, and 
I was doing good until you showed up. The difference between hunting in areas like Arizona, Wyoming, Minnesota. 15 to 18 October. Um, in Arizona, it's recommended. Uh, I haven't hunted there in six years, so I don't know if anything's changed. But in Arizona, you're pretty spread out, uh, which is good and bad. You know, you may be taking a 500-yard shot in Arizona, but at 500 yards, you need to make sure you're shooting a deer, not a person. Right. In Minnesota, the population density when you're out hunting is can get ridiculous. It depends on where you are at. And every single year since I've lived here, there has been accidental shootings, uh, a couple deaths of hunters being shot in the field. Um Unfortunately, there has been some purposeful shootings I've read about and heard of. Oh, but, yeah. That, that, that. But, you know, you go out archery hunting. I, I archery hunt in my backyard. I actually won't be archery hunting opening day this year because I have a trap shoot that day for my church. Um, I, I didn't I didn't look at the dates when we scheduled the trap shoot, which was unfortunate. Uh, but, yeah, it, you know, it's it, safety is number one when hunting. Number two is taking your harvest you know whether it's deer coyote, yeah. or whatever um so when it comes to the camo stuff i've had guys and you and i got into this when we were talking about this episode of do you really want to open that bag of worms because yeah. it is a huge bag of yep. worms because there's guys that you have to have scent lock type stuff you're going to have to wash with the hunting soap that has no scent to it. You're going to have to use this deodorant. You're going to have to, and they You're go. You're going to take the spray once you've gotten out of your vehicle right. and spray you, your equipment, everything Correct. down with the scent coverage, what a carbon or a scent killer yep. sprays. And it, I, when I get into that, it comes down to a lot of where you're hunting and what you're hunting. Right. Um, the area I hunt. There's houses right behind us. It's basically like your backyard yeah. kind of area. Deer are used to smelling people. Right. They know the scent. They're not super spooked by it, at least not this time of year. Yeah. Wait until about second week in November and you you won't see them again. Yeah. Um, but now you go up north further where there's not as many people and they will scent you and yeah. they will blow you. Yeah. And you get blown up and that's it. You won't see another deer. Yeah. That's just it. So, you know, there's that. Then there's the fact of, you know, with the camel stuff. Okay. My dad worked as, worked in the stone industry. So he cut stone all day. And when he got off work, he'd go hunting. So he's in his work clothes, which is, you know, pick a uniform type, you know, Blue gray shirt, dark and jeans. blue, yeah. yeah, sitting in a tree or sitting With in a his big old blind, yeah, gray name tag, tag on it, yeah. yeah, and he got deer, and he reeked, yeah, but he got deer. You know, a lot of it is if you can get out there and you can sit. The longer you sit, I will say this, and if people argue with me, deer aren't the smartest animal on the planet. They're really not. Right. They can be at times. They're spooky. The, the spooky is what saves them. Right. But sometimes they are not the the brightest. I I still say fawns are some of the dumbest animals on the planet. <laughs> and it's funny they they do get funny. But oh, yeah. I, I, I've I've had them come right up to me when I was turkey hunting. Uh, my my friend Jake was sitting on top of the hill and he had to chase a fawn away because it was gonna lick gonna lick him. I mean it was right there like three inches from his face. My first, second day hunting in Afton, in twenty fourteen. I do what I'm known for doing. I go set up under a nice tree, get all prepped. I'm sitting there with my bow, and I fell asleep. <laughs> I I woke up to a doe sniffing my boot. Yeah, that'll happen. And you know how hard it is to take an archery shot on a doe that's sniffing your boot? Well, no, it's really easy. You know what you do? You grab that arrow and you just push. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was already knocked up and I couldn't move. Oh. Um, well. That happens. I, I, so I just sat there staring at the thing, and it kept looking up at me. It was it was really awesome. I'll tell you, I've never been that close to a deer in the wild. No, um, it is cool when you get It did close. finally spook, uh, snorted and stomped, wheezed and ran off. My personal um, favorite is when they can't quite figure you out, and they're snorting at you and stomping at you, trying to get you to move. Yeah. Because they know something's wrong. They can't figure out. They don't know exactly what it is, but something's off. 
And those does, especially the older does, and just oh, yeah. stomping at you, trying to get you to move. When I was out turkey hunting two years ago, and I was doing some calls, I had a doe come into my turkey calls. Yeah. And she was screaming at me. It almost sounded like a bark. <laughs> stomping at me, trying to get me to move. And I'm just sitting there laughing, going, no, maybe I'll bring this out deer hunting. It seems yeah. to bring them right into me. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to clothing, I, I'm going to start with the boots. Let's start with the basics. Yep. Okay. Camo or not, blaze orange, whatever you're going to have to wear for the rest of it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go down to boots. Minnesota, you've get from September all the way through. So it, know the season you're hunting. I've got a set of Danners. I've got a set of, oh, uh, what are they? Irish setters. And I'm about to get a set of lacrosse boots. And those are kind of the higher snake boots, kind yeah. of high, high length snake boot kind of deal. Yeah. Um, all of my boots are insulated. My Danners are 600 gram. My Irish setters are 800 gram insulated. And the lacrosse will be 1200 gram. I, I have cold feet by in general. Yeah. And I also ice fish, so that's why I want the warmer boots. But it's one of those things of don't get your feet sweating. Yeah. Because if your feet sweat. You're cold. They're going to get cold. And Even in 1200 gram boots. Correct. So you kind of got to balance that out and figure out what works for you. But having a good pair of boots, now you have to know what you're hunting. Are you going to be doing drives? Are you going to be just sitting in one spot? Are you bird hunting? You know, depending on the hunting is going to help go which type of boot, which type of thing that you're going to get. You know, on a regular day deer hunting where I'm just sitting in a stand, some of the muck boots, just the slip-on big old rubber boots with two pairs of wool socks, and I'm fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah, but if I have to go bird hunting or do a drive, and I'm trying to get through stuff with that, and just clonk clonk, it, you're not doing yourself any favors. I yell at my son all the time when we're out in the woods. I'm like, "Walk quiet," and he's just trouncing through the woods like nothing's happening. I'm like, "No, no, light steps." He's like, "What do you mean?" And I had him sit in the stand, and I went somewhere else in the woods and walked up on him, and I got underneath him, and I'm like, "Hey!" And he's like, "Oh my god, I didn't even hear you." I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah. You you just have to learn, you know, watch where you're stepping. Don't step on that big pile of leaves. Don't kick that branch. Pay attention. But a lot of that comes you down mean to don't him. drag your feet and your toes. He does that all the time and it drives me insane. Ah, <sighs> teenagers. So, I've got a pair of 600 gram Wolverines, uh, leather and canvas camo mix. Okay. Um they go just a just a Above my ankle, I, I can't remember how many lace, whatever they're called. Okay, so 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 it's an ankle length. Yeah, um, I use it as a good all-around boot um, because they're six hundreds. I can wear those. My normal daily socks get out. I can hike in them comfortably. Uh, up until mid to late October, I can sit in the stand in them. Um, pushing after October, beginning of November, I'm changing socks in them. Um, I'm not cold-blooded. My feet are hot, so I don't have to have as heavy a boot. If my legs stay warm, my feet stay warm. I'm good there. Uh, I'm trying to talk my friend from Tucson to come up here in December. Oh, good. Tell him to bring some warm-ass clothes, because... Oh, he, 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 he told me, let me think... Let me, he goes, let me think about it. No. <laughs> He's like, let me think good and hard about it. No. <laughs> um, but... My boots are extremely comfortable. Uh, it did take a little bit of breaking in. I found out the best way to break in my boots is you wear them while I'm snow blowing the driveway. It's a lot of fun. Did you get blisters breaking them in? Never did. Okay. I, I'm going to give you a military tip, and our listeners a military tip that works. If you're getting brand new boots and you need to break them in, go get some nylons and put them on first and put your socks on over your nylons. You won't get blisters. Okay. Because then your sock will rub against that nylon, but it'll slide. And uh, uh, you won't get blisters. It helps. Yeah. Now, the other one, nylons. When you talk to hockey players and stuff like that, if you wear nylons underneath all your stuff, and it sounds weird and it sounds dumb, you know, Robin Hood men in tights, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, nylons work as a compression. They keep you warm. Yeah. So if you wear that as a base layer, like a sub-base layer, whatever you want to call it, you know, put your underwear on, put some nylons on, then put all your hunting gear on, you're going to stay warmer. You know, throw a pair of long johns over. It's just another layer. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you talk to survival guys, you sweat, you die. So make sure that you're not overdressing. And yes, right. that can be very hard in Minnesota where, hey, it's 30 degrees, you know, right when I walk out there. But by midday, it's 40, 50. Well, you're going to sweat if you're yeah. overdressed. It, so yeah. if you can dress in layers, do. But, you know, think about what you're doing so you get the right level of clothing. Boots, they do take some top break in time. I've yeah. only ever had one pair of boots that didn't take break in time, and that was my Danners. I put them on, and it was like putting on tennis shoes that I've worn my entire life, and they were comfortable. I worked a full shift at Cabela's Yeah. the day I got them. I'm like, these are great. Nice. I, I have bought so many boots while I was in the military that if I would have tried that, I would have been crying, you know, on my yeah. couch at night going, why did I wear the boots all day? Yeah. Um, next thing, you know, let, let's talk about some patterns. And you deal with this with black market coatings. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to, I, in my opinion, a lot of personal preference. I believe that too. Um, especially after looking at, what friends of mine have done hunting. I have a friend in Arizona. He wears jeans, light blue jeans, blue or red flannel pattern shirt, uh, baseball hat, or some type of beanie. He gets a deer every time he goes. Oh, right. He's too far away. They can't see him. He's gotten deer at 25 yards. <laughs> no. It, With it, a 30 yard six, mind you. That's right. a heck of a sh- it is. hole through That a is a big hole. Um, but that's that's the thing is a lot of guys, I look at it, and let, let's go back to, you know, Old West, the 1800s. Yeah. There wasn't a camel thing out there. No. Unless you were grabbing shit or stuff around the area and covering, you know, yourself with that. Right. You're wearing buffalo hides. You know, we'll look at Native Americans. They didn't have camel, okay? They had, you know, paint or, you know, dirt or whatever. But there was times that you're just out there. So these guys that go, if you don't have a camouflage shotgun, you can't go goose hunting. If you're not wearing mossy oak, timber, land, breakup, you're not going to see anything. Correct. You know, the longer you sit in the woods, the bigger and better the odds that you're going to see something. Yep. You know, I got frustrated a couple of years ago. I hadn't seen anything. I was out there every day for two months, bow hunting. So coming up to uh, slug season, hadn't seen a thing, nothing. And my dad talked to me. He's like, I've had years like that where I've seen nothing. He goes, but, you know, every day you sit there, the chances Increase that you're going to see something just keep going up. Because it does. It's, it's going to be one of those things of they're coming through. They're there. You know they're there. It just takes one to wake up instead of at 2 a.m. to come into your stand to go, you know what, I'm thirsty or hungry or whatever it is that I need to move now. Yep. And that's all it takes. You know, make sure you get something. And, yes, if you want to go to an outlet store and just buy military camel because that's what makes you feel good, do yep. it. It works. If you want to go on Amazon, I bought my son for turkey hunting. His set of camel was 30 bucks. Yep. It's super thin. It's kind of... Uh, ghillie suit type thing where it's got some of the leaves coming off and stuff like that. It's whatever, but it just breaks up your outline. That's all you're really trying to do for a lot of this stuff is just break up that outline. To break the conversation, talking about ghillie suits, I saw a meme last night on Facebook. Googly eyes? The googly eyes on a yes. ghillie suit. Terrifying. That is. I, I've got three ghillie suits. I've got the one I just right. talked to you about. I bought one and then I have one I'm making. So I do have three ghillie suits. And I can tell you this, they suck. Oh, they've got to be terrible. Not for the reason you think, though. I would think moving in them, and I would think they would actually gather temperature and make you hot just laying there. They do make you hot, but that's not my biggest complaint. What is it? My biggest complaint, especially around your legs, is when they collect all the burrs and everything else and just start getting tangled on absolutely every little twig and branch and everything they just get noisy after a time yeah, and you trim that. it down and you can get it where, you know, they're broken in quote unquote, but I, I just cockle burrs and this and that. I'm just like, Ugh, you know what? I'm just going to buy. And I went out and bought last year. Now granted I got the pants <laughs> as a two X and I am nowhere near a two X for, uh, the scent lock gear for right. the pants, but I couldn't pass them up for 50 bucks because yeah. I can wear a belt. <laughs> Well, so talking about the scent lock gear, you know, what 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 I'll refer to as good camo, 
Okay. Scent Loctite branded carbon liners inside. They're right. not cheap. No. In 2000 or 2001, I bought shirt, jacket, pants, a hat with a built-in face shield, yep. a, a ball cap, so it's got the drop-down face shield. Are you using it. that now for all the COVID stuff? Oh, that's a good idea. Because <laughs> then totally it's not right on your face. I totally didn't even think about that. You could just wear it and it just, yeah. just kind of hangs out And that there. one I could actually comfortably wear. I can't right. even wear my SA fishing masks out in public. I just, I bought those for fishing in sun yep. protection and I can't stand them on the boat. No, I, so I, I don't wear I've got, anything. I've got the arm guards. I've got the face, the SA f- yeah. face shields as well. And I ended up, because I have to go out for work. Yeah. And go on site with stuff. And I went out and got an N95 that's actually comfortable. Right. It's like a neoprene mask, but it's fit with the vents and every. I mean, it's comfortable to yeah. wear. As comfortable as going to get. Right. Enough with masks. So, anyways, <laughs> the camo, scent log. If you're going to buy it, think about what you're doing with it. I bought mine in, like I said, 2000, 2001. I might have been a little smaller frame than I am now. Um, I was a 30 inch waist back then. I am now comfortably a 36 inch waist. But what I did when I bought my camels, I bought them big. Right. Because the scent lock gear that I bought is not heavy. I, I was in Arizona buying camels. I'm not buying camels <laughs> for hunting in zero degree weather. No. But the nice thing is they're big. I can layer under them. I can put, I can actually put my pants on over my snow pants. Yeah. Um, I can also wear them with nothing else under them. And they've got the cinch waist. They've got the buckles on them. Yep. I can pull them up and comfortably be in these. They're not overly baggy. Uh, they're durable. They're tough. The quality of the print on them holds with all the washing. Yep. I've got my print is the real tree extra is yep. the stuff I've got. Um, and even that 2X, like I said, I wear a belt on them. I wouldn't call them super baggy outside of the waist. Right. Um, other than that, because it's just guys with a big gut can get into these comfortably, yeah. but their legs aren't any bigger than what mine are, really. Yeah, I'll say about the only thing that I've noticed, one of the article, one of, I think it's my jacket, not my, because I've got a button up, it's kind of a work shirt style long okay. sleeve, and then I've got the kind of bomber jacket style jacket. The jacket, for some reason, is tight in my shoulders now. Um, okay. Like apparently, I've got these huge, awesome, broad shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, um, but but the other thing with scent lock that I like, and this is something we're not talking about, is the materials. Yeah. It's a quiet material. Yeah, very quiet. So if you're wondering if it's going to be a good material for you, wait. You know, wait until December and pull it out. Walk outside, sit down in it, and then slowly start moving around. As soon as you start hearing, you know, this. That's not good material to go hunting in. If it's making, you know, some whistling sounds that like, uh, you know, a speed runner trying to start themselves on fire when you're moving, probably not the best materials. It's scent lock, it's, the reason I like it, it's almost like a Very like felt. Very wish felt. sound at yeah. most that I get out of mine. But it's like a felt almost. Yeah. So it doesn't make that sound when you're moving around. So when you have to shoulder your rifle or you have to pick up your bow and draw, whatever that may be, you don't have that sound of movement. Yep. You're not getting a as you're doing it. Right. Um, me personally, I don't like zippers on the pockets or Velcro. No, oh, Velcro. That's <laughs> terrible. I have to get this out real quick. No. Yeah. Um, I like buttons. Now, Scentlock does have zippers, and they're quiet zippers. Yeah. They are. But I per- personally prefer buttons. Mine mine are all buttons. Um, okay. I did recently pick up, uh, I think two years ago, I picked up a jacket at Costco, and it's a duck hunting jacket, but it's a great winter jacket for right. up here. thing that I like the best, there's two zipper pockets that are just your standard pocket, but every other pocket, it's got call pockets, it's got all these chest pockets, everything's magnet. Okay. Magnet closed pockets are the coolest thing I have seen. And see, for me, I wear my turkey hunting vest when I'm out, mm-hmm. bow hunting even, because then I can put my calls and everything else in yeah, it's not a fanny pack, but that side because right. I've got an over the shoulder. It's just one side, so I've got a place for all my calls and you know scent covers or anything like yeah. that. Uh, coming up here, I will be putting out a, a doe estrus dripper. Okay, out, out near my stand just to get them going. 
Um, Do what you go I, milk the uh, nose for the? No, no, I buy it. <laughs> I buy it. I'm not. I'm not going out there. Um, the other one that I have, I will say, is a tip, and I, I've seen this because my dad got his deer. I was still hunting, and I left my cameras out. So when he drug his deer out of the woods, it was down. We have trails through our woods, and one of my cameras was on that trail. I will tell you, the day after he drug that doe out of there, the amount of nosy deer smelling that drag mark was insane. I got an idea. We're going to go whack a deer with a car right before season, and we're going to drag it through your hunting unit. Oh, okay. Well, use your car. <laughs> I like mine. Well, I sold my deer hunting Honda. Oh, you sold the deer hunting I, Honda? I sold the deer hunting Honda. That's that was my best kill of my life, <laughs> but no, and it, it wasn't even camouflage. You know, so there's, I, there's I've the I've seen for the scent side of things. Um, don't wear doe and heat. Don't put it on your body. That that turns into very bad things if a buck finds you and he's uh, blinded by um, his drive. Dust. Yes. Um, so you don't want to put that on yourself. You want to put some sort of cover scent. Um, if you're using that, they have everything. I mean, you've got skunk. You've got a bunch of other ones. You're going to reek. I Your remember, wife will not let you in the house. So growing up, when I was in junior high, my dad, we, we'd get the camos. And typically it was military camo patterns. Right. Because generic camo helps or masks your physical breakup anywhere. Unless but it's we, the Air Force blue tiger stripe stuff. Right. So we we would take all our camos before deer season put them in a big black trash bag dump some dough and heat urine down in there shake it up wrap that thing up seal it off i remember getting out to hunting pulling our gear out and wanting to vomit oh absolutely and just walking through the forest thinking oh if anything smells me it's going to be turned away from this right I, I never I never killed a deer in Arizona. I've seen a few from a long distance. Uh, I don't they're know. They're spooky out there. Well, they're spooky. They're the populations just aren't there. Right? No, they're, they're not corn fed like they are up here. No, my my friend Tom, that's the guy down in Tucson. Oh, and um, he's got the coos deer down there. Yes, he does. Talk about spooky. Yeah, no, uh, that's why I was talking spooky, spooky. Yeah, but I showed him a picture that I showed you today of that buck. Right. And he's like, "Oh my god." He goes, how big are your deer? And he grew up out in Massachusetts, so he's yeah. seen deer. He's like, how big are your deer? I'm like, eh, field dressed, he's probably around 2, 210. He's like, God, that's got to be like a record for the state. I'm like, That's mm, small. No. Average to small. That's average. I mean, he's on the larger side of average yeah. at, at dressed at 210. That's the, larger average. Well, because there were a couple bucks on the one, so yeah. Right. He, that one, yeah. Now, now, my uncle, back in the late 70s, early 80s, Dressed out, his deer was a twelve point at two seventy five. Nice. I mean, that's like an elk in Arizona. You just, I mean, right? You go down to Texas and show guys in Texas that have these giant racks a deer that weighs two hundred and sixty five pounds, and they think you shot a cow. Yeah, it's just the deer don't get that big. It's a different environment. When when we moved up here, I, w I was amazed at the size of the deer. I mean, there, there's definitely your you know one hundred and fifty pound right. deer, but the, the amount of deer that I've seen walking on hoof, you know, breaking 300 pounds. Right. I'm like, these are elk from Arizona. I mean, obviously, elk, you're 350, 400. And then you go but, to Colorado. <laughs> uh, bucket list hunts there. Um, oh, see, that's that's next year. I would do it this year, but uh, my girlfriend's brother's getting married on the 19th. Yeah. So they didn't. we didn't line it up with her dad and myself and her sister were her sister's got land out there yeah. and they hunted every year so we're going out on a elk hunt northern do i remember durango durango okay so southwest corner yeah. um but the nice thing is they have horses out there already yeah so i get free horses they already have all the camping supplies they have camp where they, uh they actually had a camp mule deer that would come in it was a doe that would come in and when Candace when tell them where to go find the bucks, was it well, the, the, the thing was that they didn't have a buck tag. They just had the doe tag and, uh, they were sitting in camp and, uh, Brandy's sister, uh, smoked the, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> camp deer, not knowing it was a camp deer. There was just a oh, doe no. and she just shot it. 
Well. No more camp deer? No more camp deer. That's sad. But, you know, it, it is one of those things of pay attention to what you're doing. If you don't know, ask someone. Right. Now, people are very guarded about what they do while they're hunting and what they're wearing and where they're going and what times they're going. And th- people are very guided, guarded. But if you find the right people and, you, you know, I want to learn, you're going to find the right people. And yep. you're going to be able to go, you know, what works in this area? You know, I listen to Meat Eater podcast quite a bit. And he's kind of the same thing is learn what works. Yeah. Ask the questions. You might get blown off by 50 people. But then you're going to find the one guy that you've never done this? No. Let's go. Right. And and that's what you need to do. I mean, you just, number one, first and foremost, get into that reg book. Yeah. Secondly, make sure you're proficient with what you're hunting with. Don't go bow hunting if you've never fired a bow and decide, I'm just going to go bow hunting without ever shooting it. it it's not going to work well for you. Right. Never stretch your shot. I, I'm comfortable to 30 yards. I'm comfortable as a 50. If I start practicing again, I can get back to 50. But I know right now, after I restring my bow, because it's been a few years, so I actually won't even go fire it right now. It, right. It's, I've got to take it in this week to get new strings on it. But I know at any time, if I'm going to go hunting, I'm going to go practice. Um, I'm always great up to 30 yards. Yep. It, it, maybe it's just a given that if anybody knows how to operate Now, what about bow, under five? I don't think I've ever contemplated taking a shot under five. Well, you said that you had a doe lick in your boot, so that's under five. Right. Well, <laughs> so so like you, you said, you've got a range. poking. Right. You, you've got that range of five yards to 30. You're good. Right. So, well, and I learned um, in the house we live in, three and a half acres, legal to actually hunt where I'm at. Okay. Um, and I've, I've set up. I, I had a blind, um, set it up. Uh, I would go sit out in the blind. A couple times I didn't fall asleep, so that was nice. Um, there you go. Plus for the day. I had them come out in legal shooting light, which in Minnesota is a half hour before before sunrise. Sunrise um, and a half hour after. In a blind, my sights did not pick up enough light to use. Do you know what I love about my crossbow? Dot a uh, red dot on it. No, I've got a scope. Yeah, with the lighted rings that say thirty. Yeah. Forty. 50 with just nice lighter green. if I can this year, I'm going to upgrade my sights. Um, but my one one thing I found out in my blind, the because they have Velcro windows, I pulled, <laughs> I pulled them down beforehand, but I didn't realize where I was sitting and where one was. Oh, you hit it. When I drew back, I caught that Velcro edge and drug my elbow across Velcro. Yep. Even in good, quiet scent lock, that makes some noise. Oh, yeah, it does. And that deer laughed at me as he trotted away, or she trotted away. I was like, you got to be kidding me, because as she was going to clear this bush, I had the perfect shot. So just as a question, can we get a platform on the top of your shot? You haven't seen what I've been building next to the shop. <laughs> no, yet. I haven't. But I'm just thinking a nice shooting platform from up there would be yeah. amazing. Well, and that, so, yeah. Anyway. Where the shop's located <laughs> is great hunting uh, orientation. There, there's some reasons I've done a couple things on the shop. I gotcha. Um, anyway, you know, so pay attention to what you're doing. You know, make sure you know your rules. Make sure you're proficient with what you're going with. If you have questions, ask. Ask your neighbors. You know, go down the bar. Ask some guys that are, you know, look like they're in hunting gear, whatever that may be. And they'll probably help you out. Probably. They might not. They may laugh at you. Um, beyond that, we are still looking for sponsors for the show, for Ring and Steel. Yes, we are. Um, sponsors would be great. Uh, and we're not looking for much. You know, even if you can do, we have a Patreon site now. And, you know, it's one of those things that we're going to be doing some special stuff. I mean, we have... Some laser engraving access. We've got some Cerakote access and other things like that that we can, you know, maybe get some little things out to our Patreon people. We're going to be doing some other type of recordings that will only be available to our people who subscribe with Patreon. Yeah. Um, beyond that. Just special content yeah. to support those and benefit those who support us. Correct. Um, I'm working on pulling it up right now. Because I did not prep, I forgot to put this part down in the show notes for our Patreon. There are, I believe, four levels set up currently. Okay. Um, we do need to review them. We'll, we'll work on that. We've got, obviously for free, you can hear our podcast. Yep. Uh, you pull it off Patreon. Uh, we are working on getting our iTunes set up. Oh, <clears throat> Patrick. That being said, my girlfriend is this weekend working on our new logo. 
Right. So that's what's stopping us from iTunes is it just keeps kicking back. It doesn't like our logo. So I'm redoing the logo right now. She's redoing that. She does has Photoshop at the house. That's what she does for a living. So it's going to be more or less a silhouette with holes. Okay. But we're, we're getting there. It'll still say ring and steel and stuff like that. But she's working on that. I actually was talking to her right before I left about it. So um, real quick, I, I did get the Patreon pulled up. So right now we've got one, two, three levels for the Patreon. We have the muzzle loader, which is three bucks a month. Uh, that's going to give you early access to episodes uh, because we are going to start pre-recording some. We are working on getting more than one per month. Um, timing hasn't been great for us this summer between the shop building and all the stuff we've had going on. Yeah. Uh, but is what we're going to do. We're going to start pre-recording, make sure we have uh, my, my goal. My personal goal is minimum of two a month. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work to put these together. You know, we do it have is. to research, put show notes together, schedules have to align, the moon and the stars have to be right. Um, gotta get rid of the honeydew list. Yeah. So, like I said, for three bucks a month, we're gonna give early access to the episodes. Um, at six bucks a month, we're looking at, we're gonna have some bonus episodes. Obviously, you're gonna get the early access. And we're gonna do some behind the scenes content. We are gonna start putting the recordings on video where we're going to actually have some gear around us where we can display it and show it. Um, so the video content portion will be there, accessible for them. Uh, so that's the semi-auto membership level and the full auto membership level. We're going to have early access, bonus episodes, behind-the-scene contents, Patreon shout-outs. So yeah, no, I'm... we're going to, those who are willing to support us at that level... We're going to give you a shout out on the air. Um, we're going to be launching podcast merchandise, some yep. shirts, coffee mugs, stuff like that. So we're going to give those members a discount. Right now it's set at 25%. We actually have to look at the cost. We just set this up generically, uh, make sure. Um, there's going to be on-air comments and questions available for the listeners. Uh, we will be doing an occasional live episode, and with the Facebook Social media, we'll have listeners send right. in questions, and we'll read those questions and answer them on air. So, um, yeah, and we are we are looking for your feedback. So, if you're one of our listeners, please message into Ringing Steel, message myself, message Mike, any of your questions that you have, and you know, feedback that we're how we're doing. You know, God, can you guys just stop already? You're just, just obnoxious. And you're we just... have a lot of fun doing this. Um, but we want to make sure the listeners enjoy and get the information they're looking for. We've had the variety from the NFA items. Yep. We've had the situational self-defense awareness with Kevin. Uh, Kelly well, Sayer with Kelly, with Diamond Air We had Kevin. Kevin in. We've had Adam with, with the, the concealed, concealed carry, carry stuff. Um, great class, great instruction. My wife and I took his course, had right. him come out to our house. We set up a private class, had a... Six or eight people over for it. No, uh, he's, a, he's a great instructor. Yeah, he's really good. Um, gives you the information you need. Uh, Adam, thanks. You're great. No, and, and it's it's factual. That's what I like, and that's where I lean to, is I want this all always to be a factual right. thing. Yes, we're going to have some fun, and we're going to have some opinions like, you know, I can't stand Glocks and whatever that may be. I mean, but, but, it's, but everybody it's, can't be perfect. Only the... You know, if you well, like right. Glock, if you'd like you know, Glock, if you're good. you know, well, you so. know. So, but you know, it's one thing at a time, and one episode at a time. And I hope you all have enjoyed this new episode of Ring and Steel. Um, I know I've enjoyed it. I'm going to continue to do it, Mike. I appreciate you being here today and coming all the way up to St. Cloud. I know the studio here with the vet in the background. Um, well, it gets a little uh. Cramped. Once, like I said, once the shop's built. The, the office room will have podcasting in there. Yeah, uh, but we'll I have... don't think we're going to be buying $250 mics right off the bat. No, we're taking these with us. Don't tell Rusty. That's the only one I can take with me. That's oh. my mic. <laughs> um, but, you know, upcoming episodes, we have a guy coming on for oh. coyote hunting. Let's see, we got coyote hunting. I've got, I've been trying to get a hold of Minnesota white hunter, whitetail hunters. I've got a guy that I've contacted from the Minnesota DNR. Okay. Uh, I haven't scheduled him yet, um, but I've reached out, talked to him. 
I am working on getting my son Xander into air gun competition, so I'm going to talk with them about coming on. Okay. Uh, NRL 22. Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. I did speak with our good friend Lisa last night. Uh, we are still held off till after the election because they are only mildly busy right now. Just slightly. Um, and you know what? And when I talked to her about that, because I talked to her about it, I understand it. Yeah. And I am not going to take away from what your business is, and that's what their business right. is. They're protecting us, and they're fighting for us tooth and Correct. nail. And what they are doing is appreciated. I just want amazing. to stand my ground law. That's all I want. I just want to stand your ground. I, we should have no duty to retreat. We should that's what I'm saying. Stand your ground. Yep. This is, that's but the most but they, they've been trying to get this through for years. It's what it is. Yeah. So if if you have questions about that stuff, co- contact Minnesota Governor's Caucus. Contact your senator. And let them know that if you want to stand your ground so you don't have to literally abandon all your property while someone robs you blind because they're right. not threatening your life, yeah, it, we need something to uh, yeah, be able to protect life, liberty, and yes. Uh, but beyond that, Mike, thank you so much for being up here. Um, we got some new episodes coming on. If you want to be on here and bring a topic to us, let us know. I have the ability to take call-ins. Um, I can get you into our studios if you want to do that as well, and you can sit here. We can have a couple beers or whatever it is that you want to drink, and we can record an episode and get it out there. If you want to plug your business, you know, let us know. We're not looking for you know six hundred dollars a year or anything like that. Yeah, we're very cheap. (laughs) We're we're just trying to cover some of our costs here and there, so that Mike and I don't have to keep covering you know paying for getting this out to you. Right. Um, But. If there's nothing else, I'm going to say we get out of here for today and we'll do another recording next week. I don't know when that one will release, but we're planning on another we are recording. Re- yeah, we should record next week. Uh, this one will be out in the next couple of days, so today you guys won't hear it. Tomorrow you guys might hear it. Monday you guys should hear it. Kind of comes down to when Matt, because it takes some time to right. process. Yeah, between processing here, sending to me, uploading. Well, eventually what I'm going to do, you know what I'm going to do on this, right? So I'm just going to put the log on on this computer and we're just going to upload it straight right. from here because I'm, I'm sick of waiting on you because you get busy. <laughs> I'm usually within 24 hours. Oh, I understand that, but, but all right. Y'all have a great one and we will talk to you next episode. See ya.